0: crime scene queens. My girls Shelly and I are at the International Association for Identification Forensics Conference. And I, as usual, am your friendly neighborhood crime scene investigator and sealed mouse, Laura. Hi, everybody. And I'm Shelly, your courtroom cat. And I'm actually a little bit more excited than normal because one of my very good friends is a guest on our show. We are lucky enough to be in his presence at the conference. This is my friend Jason Presley, who worked for the Mississippi State Police for several years, and now he has kept his roots in the forensics field just in a different way. And he has the most amazing stories and most amazing experience to share with you all. And the best part about it is he's going to keep the nature of our show as we go through this interview, which is In case you're new to the Queens, we love to share all of that true crime mystery and suspense, and oh my God, did that happen? But we like to maintain the respect to the people that have suffered and the people who love the people who have suffered. So We're going to keep names and identities out of it, but still give you what you want. Exactly. And, you know, Laura,
1: I haven't known Jason as long as you have, but all I can say is I absolutely heart Jason. He is an amazing, amazing person, has so many great stories. And guess what, listeners? You're about to hear a few of them.
0: Yes, and enjoy your Queen's interview with Jason. So Mr. Presley worked for nearly a decade along the eastern Mississippi. Yep,
2: all done up and down the east side of Mississippi.
0: All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about, like, how you started getting into forensic work, particularly CSI. Like, how did this happen for you?
2: It was actually a long shot, quite frankly. So I had – I was a typical – teenager oh. in school. I had no idea what I wanted to do for a living.
1: Okay. So I, I want to break this down. So you're a typical teenager, but when you say typical teenager, tell me about a typical teenager in your world. I <laughs> yeah. had, had, had zero know.
2: plans, love living life. I, I enjoyed cruising up and down the street, making friends and doing as little as humanly possible.
1: And when you <laughs> say cruising up and down the street, so like where I'm from, you were able to cruise in the back of a pickup truck and there was oh, no you could easily apart. do
2: that. Yeah. You have to keep in mind, this was back in the 80s. So it's been a minute.
1: But I can picture like Jason like getting into trouble back in the day. I can totally picture him like wanting to wrestle an alligator.
2: Well, we're certainly not going to talk about some of the things that Jason got away with. Right?
1: That's wait, that's not the point that of this. wasn't part of this. But wait, whoa, whoa, whoa.
2: No, but it was one of those. I was just enjoying life. I mean, I literally mm. was just living the dream. I had no concept of what I was going to have to do with the rest of my life. So I started going to college because I knew if I ever quit going to school, I'd never go back Mm -hmm. and finish it. All right, right. And so I dabbled in a a host of different degree programs before I finally settled on forensics. And when I say I settled on forensics, it was almost a decision that was made for me. It settled on you? Yeah. It it was my sister of all people, my best friend in the world. And she came to me and said, when are you going to move your behind out of your parents' house. Nice. And you need to, you you know what you need to do? You need to come with me to the University of Southern Mississippi. I've got a a professor there that wants to talk to you about this profession called forensic science.
1: Okay. And so I went and
2: I met this guy who was literally a polymer scientist. This guy, I mean, talked in terms I had never heard before. Now you have to understand back in the day, I, I mean, you had things like high school biology. I mean, I oh, yeah. failed, failed biology, high school chemistry. chemistry the first time I took it and had to go back to the second round to get it. Nice. And so he's sitting there talking to me and explaining to me what it would take at that time to become a forensic scientist. And he said, what you really want to do is you want to explore life sciences, biology, chemistry, oh, biochemistry. I agree.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, so again.
2: it was because of my sister pushing me into that conversation Aww. and then him talking to me, I decided to land in a degree program for biochemistry
0: wow Wow.
2: and for whatever reason it all started to click for me i went from a mediocre student to a straight a student over over the course of a semester and fell in love with the profession
0: so now he's just as smart as he is pretty
2: i don't know about all that i do have a (laughs) face for radio so there's that
1: so, okay, so you, you failed chemistry the first time, and the second time you did, like, meh. On ah, it.
2: I got through it. That's you it. got through
1: it, and yep. then you were like, all right, I'm going to do, like, forensic chemistry, That's and it. then all of a sudden it clicked, and you were, like, straight A's. That's it. Totally yeah. get you. Yeah. yeah, I
2: fell in love with it, and originally my my plan was to start in the crime laboratory as a forensic biologist, only when I hired on at the Mississippi Crime Laboratory, they didn't have a forensic biologist position. They had a latent oh. fingerprint position, Oh, okay. and so me being the- cocky and arrogant guy that I've always been, (laughs) I thought, you know what? I'll take this job. And then I'll just lateral transfer over when a forensic biology job becomes available. Nice.
0: And I fell in love with Leighton Prince. That's so smart, Jason. Actually, I've heard of a lot of people doing things like that in forensics, like, by me, people used to become service aides or evidence technicians in order to make their way into mm-hmm. their desired field. Yeah. That's what they do in California because it's mm-hmm. so saturated. Yeah. And so, yeah, right. it's, it's difficult to get into it. Even though there, we're
1: understaffed, it's really hard to get into and it. And it
2: just, everything just started to click. I mean, I hit latent Prince and within four or five months of being a, an examiner, going through training. Now, we trained for two years in Mississippi, very extensive training program. Of wow. course. And in the middle of that, there was a double homicide up in North Mississippi. <gasps> Wow. And we were, there was a group of us in Jackson. We were doing a rotation of all the different forensic units in the Mississippi lab. So you could know a little bit about everything that goes on so you could answer questions. That is right?
0: so smart. That's I love that. Yeah, And so, so
2: we're going through this and all of a sudden I'm getting a page overhead from the director's office. Now, um, the only time I can equate my name going over at loudspeaker, I was <laughs> going to the office. Okay. This was, yeah, this was not good. This was not good.
1: Not so I go itself. to her, and
2: she's and it was me and one of my one of my coworkers, John, and she said, "I need you two guys to take one of our crime scene vans. Here are the directions. Here's how you get there, and I need you there yesterday." And Figure I'm like, it out, and Figure I'm, it like, out. I'm, like, I, I'm not a crime scene guy. I don't know what you're talking about. You have experts up there. You already have you already have primaries in place. You just need to go assist because this has got a lot going on. And I was like, "Okay, but why me out of this entire lab?" Yeah. And she said, "Because." Everyone else has said no.
1: Oh, and so I you got was, ball and, told. and
2: I was so young in my career, I didn't realize the next question should have been, okay, why? Yeah.
0: yeah. And it
2: was it was a double homicide of two children.
0: Okay. Wow. So- Do you remember the circumstances behind that crime? I imagine this was a very impactful crime scene. For it was you. horrible.
2: Yeah. when we pulled up, we drove for four and a half hours. Oh my. And when we got to the scene, there were thousands of people. Out. Okay.
1: Processing the scene? No,
2: just watching. Well, what oh. happened? Just watching. How, it's a very a certain- small town, Mississippi. And there were there were two uh, young kids, uh, one early teen, one younger than that. And one of them had stayed home from school sick. And so his siblings stayed with him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And during the day, the house was broken into. Oh, no. And no. In the middle of the day, because this was a, at the time a single mom and her two kids, nobody's right. supposed to be home in the middle of a weekday. Right. They're supposed to be at school. Correct. And he comes through the door and the perpetrator sees that he is now caught.
0: Oh, because no. Because there's no. a kid
2: in the kitchen. And he grabbed a serrated steak knife and he began to go to work.
0: I oh, hate this wow. story, but. yeah,
2: yep. And that I, was the yeah. first one I ever worked. And I, I tell, you know. I've told family and friends before I could literally sit down and dra- draw every part of that crime scene out
0: yeah. without, without
2: even thinking about it.
0: I mean, Jason, way to break into the field, my friend. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah.
2: And that's where it started. And from that point forward, we just sort of, by default, became part of the crime scene unit. And in yeah. Mississippi, the the crime scene unit's no longer with the lab. It's under the Bureau of Investigations now. Okay, But when I was there, there were only a handful of us right so yeah. you were on call in your region every day and then once yeah. a month you covered the entire state on the weekends oh my goodness so it was a large area to cover and it was exhausting i mean you know Dear and we Lord. were learning on the job i mean we were we were figuring it out we had great primaries that that worked with us and were patient and made sure we knew what to do but it was just grueling and it was it was like you said you're voluntold. and I didn't know to say yeah. I
1: don't want to do this. Yeah, so
2: so I kept going.
1: So when you got to that crime scene, what were your job duties?
2: So my job duties there were to process for latent prints and help collect blood evidence. So okay. swabs, things like that. That was it. But I remember when we were there, one of the things that happened was the the development of a thumbprint on the side of one of the knife blades. Oh, wow. And this was such a small town in Mississippi. My primary that was there said, you know what? I'm going to – you keep processing. I'm going to run over to the police department because this pattern is really easy to look at. Yeah. And oh. I'm going to go and see if we can run through their fingerprint file really quickly. Wow. And it wasn't two hours later. Yeah, we were getting a call that – that the a second examiner needed to go over and yeah, do a for verification ACV.
1: yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah, my God. ACV, yeah, exactly yeah. so hold on before we, before we continue you want to talk about ace real quick you want to tell us what it is Laura?
0: no jason's the expert oh, in Jason, you're the expert you what? it's a- the scientific
2: a- method for latent prints that's it's our analysis comparison evaluation verification yes okay this is the processes that we work through to ensure that we are delivering the best product for our customers who are law enforcement Right. Right, Yes. So, yeah. So, these are the steps we go through in every single comparison.
0: Yeah. So, this is another CSI element, a CSI effect element for our audience. You know, fingerprint analysis isn't just like click, click, click. Okay. Ding, 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 match. These prints actually have to be verified by a second set of eyes, which is part of the ACEV process.
2: A critical step. I mean, in in my state, no identifications are made without at least two people's eyes seeing them. That's the the industry standard. Yeah. 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 So
1: that's, yeah, that's our industry standard now as well. So that's good. So that's pretty crazy though. And you know, to kind of kill a CSI um, effect as well, Normally, prints don't come back that fast. Yeah. But oh, my God, no. A,
0: <laughs> yes, because it was such a small town, that's they were it. able well, to run to the police it. department. It's not just that. like, I would say that the other reason why this was rushed is because of the nature of the crime. Like, you don't typically have a double homicide involving children. Like, That's yeah. correct. That's when everybody kind of wakes up out of bed It and pays was. Yeah. It
2: was pandemonium outside. I mean, there were literally yeah. thousands of people. They had to part the traffic to let oh, us wow. through in our crime scene unit.
0: Yeah, I mean- the that is, I don't think I've I haven't had a double homicide of children in my career, and my career wasn't short. So um, the fact that that was your first scene, Jason, I mean, you certainly are showing your resilience early on. That's, well, it, yeah,
2: it's one of those things, you know, and, and I have thought about this one for many, many years, of obviously, course. and it just comes down to there was not a single emotion that I was going to go through at that scene mm-hmm. that was even going to come close. To what that mother was going to experience. Oh, yeah. Not, yes. not a thing that I was going to. And so it was me sitting there saying, am I being selfish or do I need to buck up and get my job done? Well, and that's what we did.
0: I'm really glad that you said that because I think every CSI in our field has had people saying, like, I don't know how you do this. How can you see these things? How? And I say every time there's something that happens in our brains in this job that we have a very deep awareness that the best way we can contribute to this devastating situation is to be emotionally void during this time.
2: 100%.
0: Now, we all have – and I think we've even mentioned on past episodes, Shelley, like we have scenes that get in, but very rarely do we have emotional episodes on scene. And it's not like I'm trying to shame it if you do. It's just that there's – most of the time we're able to turn it off. Yeah. And and
1: the way that I, you know, the way that I turned off every scene that I was ever on was I just looked at it as it's, it's scientific is I just have to keep telling myself, this is not, this is my brain working, not Mm -hmm. my heart. My heart needs to just, it needs to calm down. It needs to stay where it's at. And this is my brain and my brain needs to just function. It needs to be scientific. And this is interesting and no one is in pain right now. And that's what you tell yourself right now. Absolutely. Even so, though it's incorrect, that's what you tell yourself,
0: <laughs> so circling back to the print after ace v and after it was verified, like did we end up getting, oh, getting yeah. our man
2: absolutely he was in jail before we left the before we left the scene we were still processing, and he was already arrested.
0: do you know what his sentence was?
2: I don't I did not keep was up with there,
0: it was there a death penalty
2: there was, but he was he was too young at the time to.
0: To be, qual- to be qualified. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, yeah. wow. we're seeing that with the um, current death penalty case that involves a mass fatality that's on the books in Florida. And the person is also a young, was young at the time of the crime. And they the whole brouhaha now is whether or not he should be eligible for the death penalty because of his age and mental state. But, I mean, whatever.
2: Well, yeah. at the end of the day, we're human. So even though we're supposed to be non-biased during examinations Mm -hmm. during collection, we're there to find evidence. At the end of the day, the human brain knows evil.
0: Yes, the human that's that is. Have you guys ever walked onto a crime scene or been face to face with a suspect, and you just felt it? Like I have stared in the face of murderers and not felt the darkness. I've walked onto a crime scene and, like, the whole energy of the room was different than, like, other tragedy scenes. Or I've, like, looked in the face of somebody that maybe did something seemingly benign in comparison to the spectrum of crime, like a burglary or, like, an armed carjacking. And the darkness inside them I, like, felt in my chest.
2: By the time we worked in – we were – you have to remember – for the lab I worked for, we were a supporting agency. Right. So oh, okay. so there was already a primary agency on site right. way before we got there. Yeah. Identified what they had and didn't feel comfortable with processing the scene themselves. Right. So by the time we got there, largely they were clear.
0: Gotcha. Did you ever, like, but you were maybe meeting these suspects, like, from rolling their elimination standards or anything, or no?
2: Typically not on us. Not, that not was always you. done okay. by the local department that was investigating the crime. Oh,
1: okay.
0: So when I, like, solicited Jason for this interview, Shell, I was like, so what do you want to talk about? He's, what was it, to do the whole spiel that he said He's like, I've buried, I've dug him up, I've, I've what's your point? I've whole thing?
2: dug him up, fished him out sifted through ashes (laughs) you, you name it i've 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 been there i have seen it all i mean and when i when you say that you have to realize what that means from a crime scene perspective it is horrifying what you will see yes and and there is an element of Jason that comes with a side of humor, and that's oh, what gets me yeah. through all this stuff. Right there is yeah, yeah. is to be able to say things, not to be disrespectful of what has happened. But when you're sitting there faced with what you're seeing, it's just like Jesus, mm-hmm. give me my ten mm-hmm. seconds of shock and awe, and then it's time to get to work.
0: We all have gallows humor as an element of a coping mechanism for this job, and that's why you know I think uh, we have like these CSI like text groups and Facebook groups, and we're all like, oh crap accidentally laughed in front of the victim's family because then you of course feel like dirt you're like oh man i don't want them to think i don't care Mm -hmm. but in reality like we are doing our job while we give each other shit while we talk about where we're going to go for lunch and it's not that we don't care about the victim it's that we can't care about the victim right now Mm -hmm.
1: yes yeah Yeah. you can't process any of those emotions so you have to keep your regular non-crime scene investigation life going absolutely you
2: have to remind these people that are not csis These aren't places that you go to work and you're there for 30 minutes. We are standing around death and destruction for days sometimes.
0: Have you ever had a crime scene that stumped you? Or maybe like it started off one way and then it was like one piece of evidence or anything that completely changed it? Or does anything come to mind that was particularly complex?
2: No, the, I don't think there was anything that was just completely bizarre other than the attempts to cover up.
0: No, I want to know about that. That sounds cool. So we, <laughs> there was
2: one that we had that it was a double homicide of two females. Mm-hmm. And when we got to this residence, Ooh. Uh-oh. the first thing is this, it was like 20 degrees outside. Okay. And the person who committed the crime had killed all the power to the house. Yikes. So it is frigid.
0: It was calculated yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so
2: he had, he had actually put a master lock on the door. So we had to cut that in. And instead of cutting it, the officers felt the need to just go ahead and kick the door in. Yeah. Okay, great. So now it's freezing cold <laughs> and the door is missing. Oh. And then you walk into this house, which from the outside, you hate to begrudge anyone, but this house was filthy. Like, yeah. it oh, was we did a hoarding episode. Yeah. Absolute <laughs> filth.
1: Wow.
2: Except for one room. <gasps> and in that one room Uh-oh. you would have served christmas dinner it was so clean
1: and what was this room
2: it was the kitchen of all places how interesting it was the kitchen huh. all this linoleum flooring not a dish in the sink wow. the countertops immaculately clean so and what i look at my, so looked the at crime, my crime scene partner and i said
1: this is where it happened. They I cleaned think, up. I think
2: we found our spot.
1: Yeah. 100%. And so
2: we actually this was back in the old Luminol days. Oh yeah. And we went and got our spray bottle of Luminol and literally everywhere that chemical touched.
0: Lit up it lit, lit up.
2: up like a Roman candle. So for yeah. our
0: audience, um, most people at this point know about Luminol, but in case you don't Luminol is a chemical reactive agent that hits on the amino acids, proteins, in, amino, proteins, acids, proteins yep. amino acids and blood. Now you have to apply luminol onto the surface and then you turn out the lights and you use an alternative light source. And apparently, according to Jason, this scene lit up like a Christmas tree, <laughs> which means people were up to some shady shit. Exactly. Very
2: shady shit. Mm-hmm. Up to and including the drag marks of the bodies into the rooms they were oh, hidden in.
0: Oh, wow!
2: And the mop that was used to clean up the scene. Oh, that was that's left like there.
0: evidence, yes. like dreamland.
2: Though, yeah, it wow. was. And we and and for a for a scene that very quickly became cut and dry, mm-hmm. we still had to sit there and collect everything we could to yes, make sure we do. didn't leave anything behind. And that there wasn't someone else that was involved. And it was just a love triangle that went sideways. The two, I was going
0: to say, the what's two, the story? Uh, the
2: two females figured out that their, their <gasps> Mac daddy was... was
0: mac and them both. Yeah, was, play, <laughs> was, was playing
2: both sides. So they yeah. got together and decided they were going to off him. Uh-oh. And he overpowered them and took care of the rest. No.
0: Dang.
1: Yes. Whoa. That but was there, a spin I did not see. So then yeah. there were... Oh, the two females. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what she but
2: said. But was there first? blood
0: from like everybody found on the scene?
2: Just the two women.
0: So they didn't even knock him like a bloody nose.
2: Nope. nope. They decided to start arguing, and that was oh, the
1: problem. Oh, oh,
0: come on, girls.
2: Yep. Oh man. And, and that's how that's how we envisioned it. It went down. That's how. Oh, we, that's what we could figure out. He wow.
0: managed to get them both. Yeah. Like, what was the weapon? A uh, shotgun. Oh, oh. oh, okay. oh. one so of he, them yeah. one of
2: them was shot directly in the chest, and the other one. Oddly enough, was shot in the leg, but the gunshot blast took so much of her leg off, she bled out because, oh, of, yeah. the, because of that. Art, oh, art, yeah. poor
0: thing probably died slowly. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. Yeah, he could have at least done her a solid and come back around and like not, well, I guess I shouldn't say it coldly like that, but I would rather have you come take me out than die slowly. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And
2: then he hauled ass. So- they found him in a hotel a couple of blocks down the road.
1: Wow, so the the house you said was a mess. Oh, so it was was it, like, was it hoarder mess or was it just like disgusting? No, it filthy? was just disgusting mess. Yeah, oh. It wasn't
2: hoarder. No, this was just yeah. someone who had lost the will to live. I but mean, but he and had it was, two it's, chicks banging him. It's it was horrible. Ew. Well, okay, but
0: so this guy is Ew, like living dirty. in filth and manages to get two women to come maybe, over there and give no, him a piece. Maybe he's well. I was gonna say maybe he goes over there. But hey, then. look,
2: I can't ever get in the minds of this right here. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I got nothing.
0: Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> okay, so what about a scene where you maybe like what's it what's another one that stands out from your career
2: there, there doesn't have a, to be a
0: murder or anything just anything that stands well, out well that's
2: all we did was murder homicide, oh, okay. suicide like death. Like yeah. yeah
0: every unit i know has their so the like only
2: whatever. other one was there was a there was a mass shooting in a in a in a plant in okay. the town that i lived in okay. okay and we had six victims and a shooter Wow. And, wow. and, you know, that was probably one of the tougher ones I ever worked because mm-hmm. I was there and the realization that six people died simply because they went to work to make a living for their family. Yeah. That's yeah. the only That's reason so they're tough. dead.
0: That's like nine eleven reminiscent, yeah. like where yeah. they have, like they show the cars and like the commuter parking lot. And it's so just sad. It's so yeah. sad. But
2: that was the, as far as the most, uh, the largest scale scene, it was an entire industry. I mean, entire plant that was shut down and we had to process that entire scene.
1: So how long did that take you? So 48
2: hours, we had people on site right. rotating out, obviously yeah. 48 hours, everybody would be psycho by then, but we had multiple teams, literally every crime scene unit. In in the state organization was there at some point or another processing because there were multiple shot sites.
0: Yeah. So I'm assuming, but don't get mad at me for assuming your age. Um, is this like pre-Faro, pre-Leica? So, like, how did you oh, doc- gosh, yeah. oh, Okay. So, whenever you have a scene of this magnitude, I'm always really curious to hear how you documented this. But before you go into that, I just want to sure. say Pharaoh and Leica are uh like the crime
1: scene, they do like the 360 photography yeah. and videography.
0: Yeah, if you guys think about like when you log on to like an apartment complex's website and it does like the fly-through of the house or um, – I'm sorry, like a realty website. like, Or even like resorts, yeah, like where it gives you all of the different aspects of that room and you can kind of uh, digitally place yourself in the bedroom. And the benefit of this in the two technologies that we mentioned is that you can actually do measurements from all of the data collected from these cameras and I believe they're accurate down to like a millionth of a millimeter something. Mil- Yeah, something yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's, a, it's crazy. So when you have a scene like Jason is describing, of course, you're going to take your video, your pictures, and your sketches. But when you have that 3D camera, it just adds a layer of accuracy that can't be duplicated. So that's like I was wondering before we had these things that were kind of verification based, what did you do?
2: it was all manual i mean right. that's we, wow. number 1 again i cannot go i cannot go back and say anything better about the crime scene unit that was there. Right. The, uh, Mississippi has always taken a beating for being last at everything, but not when it comes <laughs> to forensic science. They, they great. Yep. their their laboratory was amazing and they and they hired incredible people to do incredible jobs. Right. And so the people you that were there guiding us, yeah. well, I don't know about all that. <laughs> I just got lucky. So but they the people guiding us made sure we knew what we were doing and they tasked certain individuals with their strengths. So we had people who were good at diagramming. They had mm-hmm. that that artistic Ability to go in—that was always and, me. and draw what you could do. Was, I, I loved am, it. I'm stick figures. <laughs> and, I can't yeah, even make a. Forget stick about. Figure, it. I yeah. love.
0: I they always made me do all the sketches. I love drawing. Oh, yeah. I hated it. But either. now I could
2: walk through and I could do videography. Right. I could. I could handle a digital camera with no problem. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And so they literally would just assign out what parts would would happen. And this scene was so big, we had to get strategic with how we were going to begin because there were hot spots, if you will, right. that needed to be started. Correct. And so we had to get in and do some of those things very quickly and then move to lesser areas of, yeah. the, of the facility that we're in. But, yeah, it was all done manually. You're sitting here talking about Pharaoh and Leica, and, yeah. and I'm just sitting here counting how many hours that yeah. would have saved me <laughs> yeah, so if right, I could have just set right. one of these cameras up and let yes. it rip. It's, yeah. it's amazing. But yeah, we used to do that all. Yeah,
0: now they're using drones in crime scene mm-hmm. units. Isn't that yeah. cool?
2: I'd love to. I'd, I'd yeah. love to have been able to use one. But mm-hmm. instead we had our you know, our digital cameras, and I can remember when we – got our first Nikon digital cameras (laughs) and we thought we were the greatest things in sliced bread. And I wouldn't take a picture with one of these cameras again to save my life. They're so old.
0: It's It's like
1: going from nothing to a pager. You're like, I'd never go to a pager. Absolutely. (laughs) Or a blackberry.
0: (laughs) I want to know why they, why the murder happened of the six people. Like what happened?
2: So the shooter was a deranged racist. And so he had, Played a practical joke a few days before in the plant that was very inappropriate. And rather than firing him, the company decided they would try to salvage something out of there. So they put him in a class to learn how to deal with people and not be offensive. And he was in that class and blew a cork and said, I'm done.
0: Oh, my God. Walked
2: out to his car, picked up a couple of guns, walked back into his class and started shooting.
0: So basically in the class where you're supposed to learn how to decelerate yourself, he just took a different he path.
2: stepped on the gas. I mean, he, he, he walked out to his truck, which was loaded for bear. He had a couple wow. of guns and bandoliers worth of ammunition. I mean, oh this guy goodness. could have literally sat up on the roof of this building and sat there all day long. Oh That's my how much ammunition he had. So and this sounds he, like it was in. pretty
1: planned because if you're, for him to have yeah, all why would of that.
2: Well, that? It, keep in mind, this is hunting season in Mississippi. Everybody's got a gun in their truck. So okay. there's, oh, that's not okay, very yeah. uncommon okay. in the area. Okay. But he went in and he started shooting. And when he got done with the classroom, he then went into a plant, which on any normal day is so loud, you don't hear anything. Right. Oh, yeah. And so he's walking up behind people, literally executing them where they worked.
0: Holy cow. And so
2: and so he finally saw his fiance, who also worked there.
0: Wow. And
2: when he saw her, he put the gun on himself and that was it.
0: So well, wait, he well, killed himself in front of her? Because what did she do? Nothing. Oh my God. Absolutely
2: nothing. She was just another victim. Just He just didn't kill her.
0: So he, oh my gosh. No, but she's victimized the rest of her life. She
1: yep. watched him commit, Absolutely. Sui-
0: like kill all these people, commit suicide. Yep. Ugh, that's awful. So a lot of times we get asked questions in law enforcement in general, even though like we're not cops as CSIs, like, oh, when they take themselves out, like what's the point of an investigation? So what is your perspective on why? Like I know the reason, but like how would you answer that question to somebody saying, okay, well, we've got a Mm homicide-suicide. Like why do we do what we do with our meticulous processing methods that take us 48 straight hours? Why do we bother, Jason?
2: Because you can't remove six people from society without somebody having questions.
0: That's exactly. a great answer. Yeah. And
2: mm-hmm. and it's not just about the criminal side of this. That's There's right. a humongous civil side that's going exactly. to come with it. There are going to be six families who are going to say, how did this happen? Who is yes. responsible for it?
0: Yes, exactly. Right. So Jason's answer is perfect for our audience. You know, we get this ask this question a lot, but you know who doesn't ask this question? People who have suffered a loss where like where, uh, their murder victims, families or like where the suspect is now dead. Like, why do you, nobody that's has ever suffered in that way has ever asked because they like knowing answers and they like feeling like that person got the same respect that any other murder victim would have. So really that's why we always say every crime scene, every time, like every death, every time, because whether or not somebody died naturally or was a true suicide, we they deserve and their loved ones deserve to know for sure. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and God yeah. forbid there was a second person involved Absolutely. in Jason's scene, so we need to have that form of validation as well. Correct. And
2: and and maintaining this information should anybody come behind you mm-hmm. yeah. to see what you did.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, you have it's there. I'm not always going to be here. I mean, as much as I would love to say I've discovered the (laughs) the secret to it, we're not going to be here forever. Exactly. And on any of these cases, some of them have never gone to, you know, some of them Mm -hmm. never went to trial because we didn't have a suspect and we still don't. Right. Correct. we might eventually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Actually, Shelly and I were talking about the new forensic innovations that are happening in our field. A ton of cold cases are getting Mm -hmm. solved. A ton of victims are being identified through innovations in forensic art even. Absolutely. Like more victims that are unidentified and unknown are finally getting their names back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, how
1: about a heartwarming scene? A
2: heartwarming scene. Hmm. Those
1: are hard because you don't normally go to a crime scene and expect something heartwarming.
2: I don't. I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain and think if I know one, you know, I mean, again, by the time we got to scenes, family members were already gone. The The hard part was already done. I mean, were there times after court where you would see a victim's family and they would just come up and give you a big hug as you were leaving the courtroom because yeah. you helped give them the closure they needed? Yeah, there are, there are those times. Yeah. And you know, we're supposed to be told, Oh, you don't show, you don't, you don't, Talk to anybody. You go to court. You leave. You but but what do you do when you walk out into the parking lot to get in your car, and, exactly. and, and a mother just grabs you and holds on to you.
1: Yes, yes. You hug your back. Yeah, exactly. That's why we do what we do, right? One hundred percent. Well, there's your heartwarming. Yep. That's great. Okay, so tell me about some of your uh, testimony.
2: So testimony, I loved. I I don't know if you can tell Imagine or not. Yeah, that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I've always really enjoyed is being able to educate people and taking twelve people who have the most difficult decision they're ever going to make sitting there terrified and you get to give them the information that they need. Exactly. Is amazing. When I was in courtroom testimony training, uh, My boss at the time who helped train me was Ron Smith, of all people. Oh, Oh, my
0: gosh. So (laughs) you can
2: imagine the mentor that I have. This guy was, I mean, he was gold. He still is. Ron, I know know you're still here, man. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So So. for
0: our audience that may not be forensic practitioners, Ron Smith is an OG of latent fingerprint analysis in particular. She's and an so, OG.
2: so they put us through a grueling courtroom testimony training for six months at the Mississippi lab to teach us how to testify and how to answer questions without getting into trouble, you know, and making wow. sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. My,
1: my class is only three days. Yep. It, and it's and he a told me, he told this that. story
2: of when he was learning and, and perfecting his courtroom testimony training course that he interviewed a lot of jurors Okay, and he went to this one juror an older gentleman, and he said, "What is it that you need from a from a expert witness? Uh-huh. What what is it you need?" Yeah. And this old man looks at him and he says, "I need enough."
1: Aww. Oh, oh. That's and Ron great.
2: said, "That's did you understand the question? You know, uh, did you did you understand what I was asking?" He said, "Yes, son, I, I understand just right. I need enough." And he said, "Well, can you explain to me what you meant?" And this man, through that wisdom that only an old man can give you, yes, said, "I need enough that when I make this decision." I can sleep with that decision every night.
1: I love that. Wow. See, heartwarming.
0: See, you did have some. And and, and
2: so that became my mantra of- It's time to sit here and educate. If you're looking at a juror and you're explaining your testimony and you see blank stares, you're not getting it done.
1: Exactly, exactly, and that's one of the things that in my three day course I do teach that I teach. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to adjust your teaching style because you're teaching the jury. So, you know, I go through the whole varc and everything on teaching styles. And if you're if you look at them and they're not getting one, then you know, switch it to the other. Pull pull a couple of them together. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, you may have a jury pool that is, uh, you know, some younger people, and then you may have some older people. And they're not going to have a stand. And the you
2: have process. attorneys who are playing a game. They are playing a role. That's, yes. You have to remember, this yes, isn't personal for them. They are, they are trying with everything they have to confuse. Yes,
1: yes, yes. That they is are.
2: what they're trying to do. Yep, they are. I literally yep. had an attorney tell me, You have an ID. I'm going to put a forensic right. biologist on stand before you and I'm going to ask them about every package. I'm going to ask them, was it properly sealed? I'm going to ask them what testing they did on it, and I'm going to do that for all 57 items in my case. Oh oh so what? So that you're asleep when I rush Jason on, and the first thing that you say is you have an idea of the suspect. Somebody's going to be asleep in the jury, and they're going to miss it.
1: Absolutely, and, Absolutely. that is something. And, that and they that's do. the
2: kind of moment you have to remember. This is this is this is yeah. how this is how they operate. Absolutely. To, to
0: Jason's point, I was testifying to a homicide one time, and. I took over 500 pictures, possibly 600 pictures, and this wasn't a homicide that you're imagining, like, where maybe the evidence is sprawled out. This is just a Mm -hmm. smaller – like, this was in a bedroom, so of course you have your overalls of, like, a house, but there wasn't, like, pieces of evidence everywhere. It's just what you do on a homicide. You take a ridiculous amount of pictures this attorney must have asked me about 350 of them. And I think it was because the jury was looking forward to hearing from the crime scene investigator. Mm -hmm. So they made me boring AF for nearly an hour. 100%. Does this picture truly and accurately represent the scene as you remembered on this date and time for this scene? And I'm like, why? Because normally they only pull out like, my other homicide testimonies are significant, like violent crime scenes. They would pull out, like I don't know, like ten or fifteen that were significant to tell the story. Yeah, but this one, three hundred pictures. So mm-hmm. okay.
1: So from a juror's perspective, though, so yeah, the attorney is trying to prove a point and trying to make you you're you boring and give he's, them fatigue. Yeah, exactly, exactly, juror fatigue. But then if you think about it, what do the jurors look? The jurors are like, you know what? The attorney the you know, prosecutor and in, in criminal. Uh, prosecutor made you interest, not made you interesting, but but showed your interesting side and showed you, you know, cut to the point everything. And then this other attorney didn't, they you know, long yeah. drawn out. And because they did that, the jury
0: now turns against that attorney. absolutely, absolutely. Well, so, so, and what this other stupid attorney didn't know is Jason has that voice, so they all probably woke up yes. the second he started getting <laughs> impassioned <laughs> about the <talking> about <laughs> Well, <laughs> yes, the Once again, keep
2: in mind basically. six months of courtroom testimony. And if you're <laughs> yeah. if you were being trained by Ron, you know what that meant. I yes. mean, this yes. was a guy who it was all about being able to speak and and being able to think while you're speaking Absolutely. And, and, and formulating on the fly Absolutely. so in the beginning we would be all the trainees that were at the lab we would be walking down the hall and it would be nothing for ron or jamie or one of my coworkers to say i need you to give me five minutes on why your favorite color is pink
0: oh i feel like i could do all of those and, oh, you that just, is fun. and
2: you just stand there and start talking And you talk for five minutes, and they would the the other senior analysts in our building would have three by five index cards in their pocket at all wow. times with questions about latent prints. I mean, they were you no know, tox people, controlled substance. Yeah. They weren't latent people, yeah. but they were given right. cards. And if they stopped you in the hall and whipped out one of those cards, wow. you had to answer the question that they asked before you could go back about your business. That's and crazy. we did this kind of stuff oh, all
1: I might have peed myself a couple of times yeah. if they stopped me on the way to the bathroom. Oh, well,
2: look, you, you, you'd learn how to hold it real quick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So let me ask you this. I know that you started off in prints, but when you started to get deeper into CSI, like when you were in the crux of like the role, what was your favorite thing to do? Was it blood? Was it still prints? Was it pictures? Oh, it was
2: always still prints. It was always still still prints. I used to love the thrill of it. I mean, blood, yeah, the blood was there. You could see it. Sometimes you'd have to process a little bit to find it, but those prints are just
1: so elusive. Okay, so when you're, let's explain for for our listeners. So when you're talking about a still print, can you explain exactly what you mean by that?
2: So late prints are by their very definition hidden prints, right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're either you left on an object. Process, yep. Yeah. They need some type of processing, whether it's fingerprint powder, whether it's dye stain. It takes some form of processing to be able to to make that viewable, to collect it with a latent lift card, photography, whatever it may be. Yes.
0: And in contrast, patent is, Is
2: in something. For example, uh, dried paint or mud or something like that where you can see the print, but it is impressed into the surface. Yeah. So, so... Those were always, you could see them, they were easy. You could figure them out very quickly. But I always wanted the ones that I couldn't see. I Mm. had to go and pick up the right items. I had to find the right things at the scene that this clown touched so that I could come back and say,
0: I got it you. you. Okay. <laughs> I got you. Okay. I got you. So wait, wait, I have to ask you this question because like when I was learning prints like to like lift them, are you a swirler with your brush or are you an up and down side side? Oh no, side I'm a swirl. I'm a swirler swir- swir- guy. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe it. Come on. Who does Come on. this up and down I, side okay. to okay. side? some Psychos, people. No. I'm just right? kidding. Yeah, I mean, no, pe- offense, pe- no offense, no Some people like up and down side to side and they like those strike motions. I'm no. a swirler Ooh. to my Big core. Oh, 100% never. Yeah, no. swirl, 100%. Yeah. Now,
2: I will say I would look like a coal miner by the time it was done but yeah I love,
0: oh my gosh I like the black boogers and oh such god that. for weeks yeah <laughs> you know what's yeah. funny is I posted something on my social media the other day about or so I, w- I was replying I'm sorry to another CSI who wrote something about do you show up to your crime scenes with makeup on and I wrote well I've actually done both because if I got called out you know I might have been all done up and they were like oh how do you not keep it from bleeding down your face I'm like well obviously makeup setting spray and then I mentioned a particular brand And another CSI wrote back and she's like, well, how does that work with getting fingerprint powder all over your face? And I said, well, the setting powder like laminates your face. So it just wipes right off easier than than when your skin (laughs) is all like open. Exactly, exactly. I know that was a concern of yours, Jason. All the time, yeah, yeah, absolutely,
2: absolutely. No, I just would take a whole bunch of baby wipes and they would all be jet black by the time I was done with them.
0: Okay, so what was your CSI pet peeve? So what I mean by that is like, is it saying splatter instead of spatter? Was it people coming up to you on your lunch break saying, I didn't do it. Like, what was the thing that people or cops or whoever, like, what was your CSI pet
2: peeve? My CSI pet peeve were all of the people that I knew outside of forensics uh-huh. who simply wanted gossip.
0: Oh, And yeah. after, the,
2: after the first time of coming back and saying, I can't talk about these. Please stop asking. Yes. And you continued to come to me and you continued to, to try to get me to say something. I promise Look, I it, won't tell. I promise I won't yeah. tell. I promise I won't tell. Well, yes, you will. Every single time.
0: Exactly. I think I told you this last night, Jason, but I really appreciate that comment in the way that the reason why Shelly and I are doing this show the way that we are is because of that ethical true crime element. So we are not going to be capitalizing off of victims and their families' tragedies. So. I get that everybody's nosy and what we do is interesting, but I also didn't like it when people are like, Oh, tell me about your bloodiest crime scene or tell me about yeah, your goriest these, crime these, scene. Yeah. These like, aren't
2: football games. Somebody died, died. Yes. Yes. Like and yeah. somebody yeah.
0: was horribly victimized yeah. and somebody like, so I, I always I, just say, yeah. when
1: they ask me that, I say, you know, my crazy is not your crazy. That's so it. It. Yeah. I talk about yep. it.
0: I mean, that's a really good answer. And I've said something similar, Shelly. I said like, yeah, well, you know, what's, dirty or gross or violent is subjective to well, the person. And, yeah. And
2: how do you say, oh, what's the worst one you ever worked? All of them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Somebody was yeah, dead yeah.
2: every single yeah. time. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, I mean, just trying to play devil's advocate to the nature of the question because let's just say you've got a homicide like your children. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a homicide where somebody sold bad cocaine to a bunch of gangsters. So I care that you got your ass shot up. However, you helped that time. Yes. Like you're not as victimized as the children. Now we investigate the crime with the same integrity and Mm -hmm. attention to detail. Yes. But my heart doesn't beat as hard when you uh, are selling bad drugs to an entire gang. Yeah. You helped, you helped accelerate your death in that matter. Yes.
2: Well, yeah. The decisions you made led directly to that. I yeah. mean, there is no ifs, yeah. ands, or buts like, about it. Yeah, I These mean,
0: poor children.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I'm exactly like you in that regard, yeah. Laura, is I don't feel it's anyone's right to decide who lives or dies. Nobody right. deserves to be Correct. thrown away like a piece of trash, Correct. drug dealer or not. However, yeah. if your job was making sure that all of our children are are now threatened to being stoned every time they walk out of their door. I'm not going to really shed a whole lot of tears when I, when I find out.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's like, it's a hard line, right? Because I told in another episode how I was sort of offended because the first city that I worked for had a lot more money and had a different, I don't want to say it the shitty way, but like class of people whether you want to classify that by income or whatever, it is what it is. Whereas the second city had a lot more impoverished Mm -hmm. neighborhoods. And in my first city, we had max four homicides a year, and it was like news media out the ass. Yeah, And in my second city, several homicides a week, and I think in my entire tenure there, the news came like two or three times. So the lives of the people – yeah. that were not part of quote civilization or however yeah. not Dumb media cr- worthy mm-hmm. not media worthy whereas the other people sometimes weren't involved in these high like risk professions like sales of drugs like they really did have something awful happen to them but mm-hmm. nobody cared because of where they were right yeah yeah so it's a delicate balance between yeah well I'm not as sad for you because you're you're you know Helping along the violence in your life versus yes. well, nobody's paying attention to you because basically you're not rich enough, right, yeah, and you're not tied into a bunch of people, this and this isn't that, but it, i yeah,
1: yeah, no I, yeah, you're you're absolutely right, you know, every scene is different, and unfortunately, you know some of the worst of the worst, but the the most sexy are the ones that make the media, yeah,
0: and, oh
2: yeah,,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: they're
2: full well, <laughs> chaos sales. I mean,
1: true. Yeah, so the
2: crazier it is, the the more shocking it is to people.
1: Yeah, definitely. They are, they are.
2: They are. They are propagandize to be concerned for that very moment. Right. And then Absolutely. tomorrow it'll be somebody else.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Know, that's why we're so popular yeah. in Florida. We have a bunch of people doing crazy crap
2: like all the time. I do have to, <laughs> to say, I'm, 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 I might be a little obsessed with the Florida man stories. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Floridians are obsessed with the Florida man stories because the, it, they never stop. It's like there's every Floridian is smacking our forehead all the time. Like I swear some of us are normal. I, well, I shouldn't use the word normal. I swear some of us are not that bad.
2: <laughs> I beg to differ on a little bit of this. Some, all, some right, of the videos all right, obviously. all
0: right, all right. Listen, my boy here is just trying to poke me in the ribs with his elbow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely.
1: Any advice or anything that you would give to anyone that's uh, possibly starting
2: out in, in the field? Yeah, probably. Uh, the biggest one for me is protect your mental health.
0: Nice. Love it.
2: Okay. Because this job will wear on you. You're going to be working scenes where the vast majority of them are going to be committed by the people who are supposed to love you and cherish you and protect you through thick and thin. And then you have to go home to your spouses and your families and look at them and think, okay, is today the day? Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. I do trust them. Do you
2: trust them? And you can't let this job take over that job because that job is much more important. Yes. All right. Protecting your family, protect your mental health. You feel like you're off find somebody to talk to. That's the main thing for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And finding, you say find someone to talk to. So every agency that I have ever known and ever uh, taught, they all, every single one of them has, um, an outlet. So they all have a professional that can talk to you about any scene, whether it's a small one or a large one, because it doesn't even matter when I say small or large, I mean, you know, one victim or multiple victims or one small area versus multiple, you Mm -hmm. know, large areas. It doesn't matter. Small, big, large. As, as
2: long way. as you're not letting this job creep into the rest of your life yeah. other than the eight to fives or the hours that you work, do your job. Be Correct. good at it. Give it everything you can. Yes. Then walk away.
0: And when yes. you start rolling your eyes at a call out, it's time to call it quits. Yes. Very yes, much so. When you stop loving this job, Call it quits because yes. it's yes. not fair. It's not. It's not
1: fair to the victims. It's absolutely not fair. So yes, you're absolutely right, Laura. That That's a great piece of advice.
0: Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once this is not your passion anymore and you're not getting that rush no. – you don't do it for the money. It's, so. oh, oh, it's definitely not I mean, for the money, no. So, yeah, so you know, go <laughs> do something else that actually you can make more money at. CSIEDU for this week, you're not getting rich with bright flashing lights around it. You're not getting rich, y'all. Yeah. But not all the light bulbs are lit because they can't even afford them. Yeah, that. we can't so,
2: even so, yeah. afford the power yeah. bill. <laughs> but at yeah, the end of the day, you always get asked, could I do this job? You think I could do this job? I don't job? know. Could you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what your tolerance level is. Correct. Uh, you know, yeah. It, all I can tell you is if you decide to go into this profession – You're going to have at the beginning of every scene a good five to ten minutes of shock and awe where you're seeing the worst that any one human being can do to another. As well as the smells. See, yeah. And everything that goes. Shelley oh, loves my God. I the smells. Yeah. I love the smells. Yeah. 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 I'm not yeah. a fan. No.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you, if, you know, for me, you know, vomit is the one thing that I'm like, oh. it's poop for me.
0: Poop. Yeah. Same. No poop. Like, yeah. I can do decomp. I can do vomit. I can do blood. I can do piss. I can do whatever. No poop. Yeah. Poop yourself somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do not. And for like everybody, oh, like, well, when you die, you shit. Okay. But that's not what I mean when I say poop. Like, there are poop crime scenes. I can't, you know, I can't even yeah. do this right now. You can't unsmell them. I can't, un- I can't unsee. Can't or uh, yeah. smell them. I was going
2: to yeah. say, I can't unsee them for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're yeah.
0: smearing. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm thinking of right now? Because Jason, you might've noticed that a lot of crime scene investigators are kind of, the majority of us are women. Yeah. So I think that creates a dynamic when you have like a male suspect that's a little bit less aggressive. Did you ever have a suspect like flex on you? No. Oh, Okay. No. Glad to hear Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Cause like I, I have had like I've had female suspects flex on me. Oh, so I was just wondering if a dude had the. Yeah,
2: but again, so they were very about the only time I would see them. Yeah. was in court.
0: Okay, yeah. So, you so didn't really that's, have this I was much face far
2: removed. No, we were oh, far removed yeah. from from suspects. Okay. Yeah. No,
0: I was swabbing and rolling in an elimination prints and taking clothes from them and documenting blood spatter on them and yeah. shit.
2: I mean, there were scenes that I would go to that would be five to seven hours from where yeah. I was. So by the time you've driven all day, yeah, there's nothing going on there.
1: You're not seeing it with the local no, Walmart.
2: No.
0: Well, Bobby and them are all down at the bar, so do you wanna I think we should wrap up? Yeah.
2: Asking <laughs> a guy from South Mississippi if he wants a beer. Go get a you beer, good? Jason. Please.
0: All right, so your Crime Scene Queens wanna thank you so much for being on our show. This has been so amazing. Oh
2: so awesome. Yeah, thank y'all so much for the invite. I really enjoyed it. Yeah.
1: Thanks everyone for listening to the Crime Scene Queens. If you wanna reach out, you can always email us at hello at crime scene queens dot com. And then don't forget, you can also follow us and message us on social media, such as TikTok or Instagram.
0: The social media handle for everything is at Crime Scene Queens. And we want to remind you that if you're going to kick the bucket, make sure you do your local Crime Scene unit a favor and keep it interesting.
1: Crime Scene Queens is a Q Code Media production. Executive Producers David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Nate DuFort. Theme song and music by Darren Johnson.